You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Wesley Levesay from the History of the Second World War podcast. Join me on a journey through the most destructive conflict in human history, a journey that will take us not just through the famous campaigns and cataclysmic battles, but also to the lesser well-known corners of the war that touched millions all over the world, as we try and answer not just the questions of what and where, but how and why. You can find History of the Second World War on all major podcast platforms or at historyofthesecondworldwar.com. Hello, this is Matt from the Explorers Podcast. I want to invite you to join me on the voyages and journeys of the most famous explorers in the history of the world. These are the thrilling and captivating stories of Magellan, Shackleton, Lewis and Clark, and so many other famous and not-so-famous adventures from throughout history. Go to explorerspodcast.com or just look us up on your podcast app. That's the Explorers Podcast. Welcome to the Age of Napoleon. I'm coming to you today with something new. I want to give something back to the Patreon supporters. A lot of podcasts do this by putting half their episodes behind a paywall. I always felt I couldn't do that because this show is a narrative. I want it to be accessible to people who can't pay, and I don't think it would make very much sense if you only listened to every other episode. So instead, I'll be doing these dispatches for paid subscribers. Obviously, this is new, so I'll be experimenting with the format, but I'm imagining these will be composed of various odds and ends that didn't make the previous episode, maybe some thoughts or reflections on where we are in the narrative, a little preview of the next episode, and responses to listener questions and comments. This introductory dispatch is free on the main feed with the rest of the podcast. But if you want access to future installments, you'll have to go to patreon.com slash ageofnapoleon to sign up. I thought we'd start with a little material that was cut from the last episode. We've already talked a great deal about the chaos in the Prussian court, the indecisive king Frederick William III being pulled in two different directions by the pro-French and anti-French factions. But there was actually another dynamic at play here. A rivalry between two men, Count Christian von Haugwitz, who we have met in previous episodes, and Prince Karl August von Hardenberg, who we have not. Haugwitz and Hardenberg had once been friends, but that couldn't last because they shared the same ambition, to become the king's leading foreign policy expert, effectively the Prussian Talleyrand. Obviously there could only be one, so by this point in our story they were bitter enemies. This could have been a simple matter. King Frederick William could have picked one of them to be his right-hand man on foreign policy, and then ordered the other to get in line or leave the court. But instead, the king actually encouraged their rivalry, playing them off against one another, and allowing them to compete for his patronage. From a certain perspective, this might have been smart for the king. Effectively, it kept both men on a leash, busy working for his approval. But it was terrible for the country. Two different rival centers of power within Prussia's diplomatic establishment made the country's foreign policy even less coherent, and the two men's rivalry became so intense that they were sometimes more interested in undermining each other than working towards the national interest. 
Apparently, you can go into the German archives and find memos from Haugwitz to the king that have been marked up with denigrating and sarcastic comments, because Hardenberg managed to get his hands on them before they found their way to the king's desk. It's so petty you almost have to admire the shamelessness. These were important statesmen handling very sensitive diplomatic matters in a time of great geopolitical turmoil, and they still couldn't put aside their personal squabbles to focus on steering their country through this crisis. The rivalry between Hardenberg and Haugwitz is often presented as a corollary to the great debates between the pro-French and anti-French factions. Obviously, both men were deeply involved in these discussions, but the more you look at their rivalry, the more it seems purely personal, driven by ambition, separate from any ideological or policy difference. The only consistency with either man was that he would always be on the opposite side of any issue from his rival. This dynamic certainly doesn't reflect well on either Haugwitz or Hardenberg, but I think the blame ultimately has to rest with King Frederick William. He could have put a stop to this at any moment, but seems to have actually preferred working this way, even though it practically assured that he got bad advice based on personal grudges rather than considerations of national interest. It was another example of King Frederick William's incompetent leadership. He really did not belong in a position of absolute political power. He would have been much happier as a clergyman or a theology professor, and his country would have been much better off for it. But unfortunately for everyone, that's not how monarchy works. My original plan for the last episode included a long section on Hardenberg and Haugwitz. I think it's an interesting story for a number of reasons. It does help explain the indecision at the Prussian court and the incoherence of Prussian foreign policy. And I really like that anecdote about Hardenberg inserting sarcastic comments into Haugwitz's reports. However, the more I researched, the more I became convinced that the rivalry between these two men really was just a personal beef, primarily motivated by ambition, with only superficial connections to the policy debates we've been discussing in previous episodes. So ultimately, it felt like this was a bit out of our scope, more of an interesting digression than an integral part of the story. Something else that was cut from the main episode was a longer discussion of the Battle of Maida. Maida only got one line in the episode, but it was a relatively big engagement, just over 5,000 French troops and just over 6,000 coalition troops. Not a major battle, but we did talk about engagements of this size during Napoleon's invasion of Austria, so from that perspective, it is maybe a bit unfair that we skipped it. However, the truth is, this battle didn't have much wider significance. The coalition forces won, but I'm not sure the French invasion was even slowed down. Still, the battle does have some interesting aspects. For starters, the two opposing forces were surprisingly multinational. The coalition side was led by the British and primarily made up of British regulars, but it also included Swiss and Corsican units raised from anti-French émigrés. The French side also included a Swiss regiment and a Polish regiment as well. These were technically in the service of Napoleon's Kingdom of Italy, which ruled over the northern half of the peninsula. So, if you're keeping track, these are Poles and Swiss, commanded by Italians, fighting for the Emperor of the French, who was Corsican. We'll be seeing a lot more of this as the show continues. 
The Swiss contingent wore their traditional uniforms, which were red, and actually looked quite a bit like British uniforms. Predictably, this led to confusion. At one point in the battle, the 78th Highlanders marched up close to the pro-French Swiss unit, believing them to be friendly, only to be torn apart by a devastating close-range volley. Accounts of the Battle of Maida vary tremendously, sometimes to the point where it almost seems impossible that they're describing the same battle. But whatever story you believe, it seems that the French attacked and were repulsed with heavy casualties. I believe this is the first occasion in the Napoleonic Wars in which a British unit convincingly broke an opposing French unit in a straight-up fight on European soil. It was certainly the first major victory for British ground forces in quite some time. And so, as you might imagine, the Battle of Maida got breathless coverage in the British press, and was widely celebrated by the public. In early 1806, Napoleon seemed all-powerful. I'm sure the people of Britain were grateful to have a victory to celebrate, even if it was a relatively small victory of no real strategic significance. Within a few years, Maida would be overshadowed by bigger and more dramatic British successes in Portugal and Spain, and eventually Waterloo. But there was a short period when Maida was the great British victory of this conflict. Today, the battle is mostly forgotten, but apparently there are still places in the UK named after Maida, so British listeners keep an eye out. Next, I'd like to read a quotation. I read over this passage several months ago, and it really stuck in my mind, but I couldn't think of a way to weave it into an episode anytime soon, so I'll just read it here in its entirety. This is from the memoirs of Captain Elzéar Blas, who served as a light cavalry officer in the French army from 1806 until the end of the Napoleonic Wars. Captain Blas is quite cynical and cavalier, and I really enjoy his writing style. Quote, the word advancement lodges itself in the military brain at the moment of entering service. It does not come out again until the day of retirement. This idea engrosses the whole army, from the drummer to the marshal. When we were dictating laws to Europe, the generals nightly dreamed that deputies from a neighboring kingdom came to offer them a gold crown on a velvet cushion. The example of Bernadotte turned all heads. This marshal is going to be promoted to king. That grenadier is going to be promoted to corporal. This form of expression was very natural. We all thought we had a scepter in our scabbards. A soldier had become king. Everyone thought he might become one too. Much is said today of military advancement under the empire, and especially of the soldier's gratitude towards the emperor. The word gratitude is very amusing. Is this not a strange misuse of words? Candidly, did we have to be so thankful to his imperial majesty when he was gracious enough to give the places of the dead to those who remained? After each battle, a swarm of officers sent from Paris pounced upon our regiments to take possession of the best vacant places. The new nobility was as greedy as the old. All possible nobilities are the same. Had the empire lasted ten more years, it would have been considered remarkable if a commoner had been named colonel. The sons of marshals, generals, counts, barons, counselors of state, and prefects took on a new rank every two weeks. It was by rewarding them in the army for what they had not done that their fathers were encouraged. Not that the esteemed marshals and generals were lacking in courage. They had proven the contrary on a thousand occasions. 
but the profession was beginning to bore. When one possesses a handsome residence in Paris and a fine chateau in the suburbs, it is not agreeable to waste one's life in the smoke of a bivouac. Who was honored at each battle? Ten people out of three hundred thousand. Everyone did his duty, but not everyone could be honored. End quote. Next, I'd like to move on and give a little preview of the upcoming episode. Probably a bit of an anticlimax for this particular episode, because I don't think I left much doubt as to where things are headed. We'll be discussing the looming war between France and Prussia. As I research this episode, I am finding myself wishing I spoke German. I don't want to spoil anything, but there is a truly astonishing battle, or to be more accurate, a pair of battles, coming up in the near future. There are plenty of sources on these events in English, I'm not having trouble finding material, but it's nothing compared to the staggering amount of writing in German. These upcoming events had great significance in German history, and at the time, really made an impression on the German psyche. It seems that all these years later, there is still an outsized interest in the German-speaking world. I can't help but wonder if there are differences in how these battles are depicted in the German literature. Whatever the case, I'm excited to write another battle episode. Battle episodes are always a challenge because there are so many concurrent events to keep straight and a ton of material to sort through. But all that material also represents an opportunity. Whenever I research a battle episode, I find all kinds of great stories and anecdotes, sometimes even humor. And of course, there's the inherent drama of all these thousands of men fighting for their lives, with the fate of nations hanging in the balance. I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully you are too. Lastly, I'm planning on devoting the last part of these dispatches to listener questions and comments, but obviously this is a new feature so there aren't any listener questions to address. For the future, I will be responding to posts in the comments of the previous dispatch on Patreon. So, if you have a question you would like answered in the next month, log on to Patreon and add a comment under this post. Also, feel free to like other people's questions or comments that you would like to see answered. I will try to favor the more popular posts. A few other things to keep in mind. I would like to keep my responses relatively short so I can get to as many of you as I can. So, if you'd like your question or comment picked, I would suggest posting something you think can be responded to in under five minutes. So, more specific questions are likelier to be answered than broad, open-ended questions. I am also likelier to respond to posts that have to do with where we are right now in the narrative. So, for example, you would be much better off asking about Prussian diplomacy or the fall of the Holy Roman Empire than about the Battle of Waterloo or Napoleon's childhood. So, before I go, I'll just reiterate that all future dispatches will be for Patreon subscribers only. You have to contribute at least $2 a month, or you can pay up front and get a year's worth for only $10. To those of you who already subscribe, thank you. I hope you enjoy these. For those of you who don't, I hope you'll consider it. And don't forget to leave questions and comments in the comment section for this episode. Anyway, as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>